0: He was in many films such as The Heat. And you can catch him on Veep and CBS's Life in Pieces. The very talented Dan Back <laughs> Before I bring Dan out, let's take a quick uh, look at a clip.
1: Is that really how you sleep, man? No, but she said I gotta keep a shirt on. What? Oh, Vice Tips. <clears throat> Oh my gosh, I think I forgot my battery pack for my apnea machine. Oh! Oh no! Oh, no. I know, what am I gonna do? Just get, the just get in the sleeping bag, man. That's all you gotta do. Don't worry about it. So glad you guys are my brothers. In law. Oh, look, I, I left my
0: water bottle. Is there something in Wait, it? I have... Oh, wait a minute. Oh. <laughs> Spider eggs. I know. It's okay. I know, okay. I, know, I, know. I got dresser. fresh from the... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I ask... Oh, my... Okay, so I ask all my guests what their favorite candy is. Do you remember what your response was? Yes, I do. What was it? It was that. That? <laughs> what is that?
1: Butterfinger. Butterfinger? Oh,
0: just like Bart Simpson. I love it. Why do you love it?
1: I, you know, I think it's because as a kid... This is really gonna be fun. Uh,
0: gonna show, guys. Gonna show.
1: Peanut butter gave me heartburn, really bad. As a kid? Yeah, as an adult too, actually. Oh, yeah. uh, but I'm an adult now, so, <laughs> so I say? can eat some aids But uh, as a kid, it gave me heartburn, so I couldn't have PB and J, which was kind of a heartbreaker. Oh, that's and so this was a safe uh, peanut butter for me. And. It's the candy bar that keeps on giving. It is. Because it gets stuck in your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> and you're eating it, you're eating it for you, hours you save after. It, save
0: it for later. Yeah, save it. Oh,
1: I'll save that for after the show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Dan and I, do you remember, we met at Second yeah, City. I was working in the box office. You were on the main stage. Um, is, is acting something you always wanted to do? All
1: right, so... Yes and no. Okay. I, I, first, I thought I wanted to be an astronaut. Really? No joke. I lived in Florida. I grew up in Florida. Okay. So you could see... Uh, before the space shuttle, you could see rockets take off. And it was very easy to go, it's right here. It'd be like kids that grow up here going, I'm going to be a movie star. And it'd be like, oh, God. Um, so I thought I wanted to be an astronaut. And then my dad, who was great at uh, Smashing Dreams, said, you better get your act together, kid. Because you got to have these grades. You better go to the Air Force Academy. And then I went, oh, fuck it. I'll find something else to do. And um, then uh, we got a big VHS uh, Camcorder okay. that had a, a giant VCR that you carried with it. So the tape didn't go in the camera; it was in the VCR that you carried with it. And the battery pack was the size of a, a shoebox. Oh, so you carried around 30 pounds of equipment. And my two older brothers made a Twilight Zone called the Toilet Zone, <laughs> where a boy went in to pee in the middle of the night, and there were the toilet people who came up <laughs> from, they came up from the sewer. Because something bad was happening in the sewer. Something worse than the sewer was happening in the sewer. Anyway, and they didn't let me play.
0: Oh, did you
1: have a big family? Yeah, six brothers and sisters. So I had two brothers and four sisters. Oh, wow. And and we all still talk.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. Good
1: (laughs) good job by the folks. I know. They did
0: very well. They did very well.
1: So they did not let me partake. I watched. They used my Klingon doll, my my Star Trek Klingon doll. Uh, But that was the only... uh, uh, participation I had. So when they were done with that, I went and made my own Laugh In. Laugh in kind of did like a re-up in the in the mid-70s, I want to say like 77, 78, something like that. Okay. Laughin came back. And so I stole an episode of Laughin and just did it. So like I <laughs> I wrote original material which was basically me stealing, Doctor It hurts when I do this. And then I'd go to the other side of the table and Put on a coat and go, then don't do it. <laughs> and uh, So I did my whole, I did a, a newscast. I did the whole thing. I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. That's what I wanted to do. That was your dream. Right. And my brother's next project was to do Saturday Night Live at home. And I pitched a giant fit. And they said, you've never seen the show, but I knew that all the older kids stayed up to watch it. I knew who Mr. Bill was, all that stuff. And I said, you have to let me be in it. And they said, fine. You can be John Belushi as the Samurai Delicatessen. <laughs> so we stole the script from Samurai Delicatessen and reenacted it in our living room. And, uh, and I went, we sat around and watched it every week. The family would sit around and watch it. And I went, what could be better than this? They're paying attention to you vicariously right. by watching the TV. Yeah. So I've forced uh, strangers to vicariously pay attention to me you. for a living. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. That's kind of what, what actors do. So you were yeah, naturally born an exactly. actor. And you didn't I, even know it. I guess
1: I tried other things, but I couldn't do them. I tried things that required study, and 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 I just couldn't do it.
0: You went to, if I'm correct, it was the Repertory Theater of America, which is yeah. Shakespeare.
1: No, no, no. Not it's Shakespeare. A, it's a, yeah, it's just a rep theater that tours the country. Remember the vans that the touring company had in yes. Second City? that It's a, like what you call like a twelve passenger van or something. We. Took the back half of that van and put a wall up and then carried sets, lights, (laughs) and all that stuff and toured the entire country. I went everywhere from Miami to Seattle up to Maine and down to San Diego and all points in between, touring for 10 months with a repertory theater company doing um, Woody Allen, a a Renee Taylor, Joseph Bologna play, (laughs) and, um, and a Neil Simon play. Which, you know, when you're 21, right out of, College, you're, you're primed to do midlife crisis. Uh, yeah. And here's the thing. We came through Chicago. I saw a show. Um, it was uh, November of, uh, it was Thanksgiving of 1994. Okay. And I saw the main stage show. I didn't think it was any good. Mm-hmm. And I saw all the pictures on the wall on the way in, and I went, huh, I can do that isn't very good i could do that and these people came from here i'm gonna come here and do this and be them because they wound up where i wanted to be so i'm gonna do that and then i found out just how hard it was to get that job but i moved to chicago right
0: after so you went from florida
1: yeah from, toured all tour around the country, and yeah. then
0: landed in chicago
1: landed in chicago and then i came and the first show i saw when i got in town was um paradigm lost okay so that's Rachel, Dratch, Rachel yep. Dratch, Tina Fey, Scott Adsit. Uh, right there was enough. My mind was blown. But Jenna Jolovitz, amazing. Uh, I believe Scott Ullman was in that show. Anyway, and I went, oh, no. It's good. <laughs> yeah, like, it was supposed to be, you know what I mean, if you can understand what it's like to go, this is just shitty enough that I could get in. So <laughs> then all of a sudden the so bar is then all is of a sudden really go, I can't get in here. It's as good as those people on the wall now. Son of a. You um, uh, missed your window.
0: How did you get to Second City then? Well,
1: then I, then I did theater in Chicago. I just started auditioning for everything in the back of the performing Inc. And, and the Chicago Reader, which were kind of the, the arts papers. Right. For those that didn't know what they were doing, <laughs> newspapers, uh, yeah, not, yeah, not newspapers. On, not sorry, online, for piece stuff. of paper, newspaper, had ink on, on it, got it on your account. hands. Anyway, and, uh, and I auditioned for every play that was coming down the pike, and um, and I did everything I could get my hands on until I finally said, "Why well, should get paid?" So now I'm going to do only things that pay. I didn't, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. I just thought I should set goals, well, that's and good. then once I hit that goal, I'll change the goal. Okay. So uh, the goal always was work at Second City on the main stage. Right. That will get you on Saturday Night Live, and then you're done.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, well, I'm not Steve wrong. Decided. I'm not entirely
1: wrong. Yeah. I mean, look at it. No, there a lot of you people, that's
0: their, that's their end goal. But but Second City was a feeder school for course. everyone on SNL. Right.
1: And, um, you know, I, I, and then I found out how hard that was and how you had to actually mm-hmm. show up to those auditions. I was going to say,
0: what mm-hmm. made it hard for you?
1: uh well you know just getting just getting into second city turned out to be really really hard i I,
0: what was your audition
1: i asked questions i went to shows rachel mason was a friend of mine she lived in the same building that i lived in and she was doing shows at what was called the improv olympic at the time is now called io uh sister well mother to io west Mm -hmm. and um she was doing shows there and i went and saw shows and i knew another guy there that i did a play with and pretty soon i started hanging out there i said i'm gonna take classes here so I took classes at Players Workshop in the Second City, okay. and then I quit just before they started writing scenes because yeah. I was scared to write. So I said, "Well, if I quit, I can't fail." <laughs> 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 this is the secret to success. <laughs> quit while well, you're ahead. You cannot fail if you quit. You quit. You didn't fail. Right. <laughs> On my terms.
0: That's your poster in your office favorite. right there with the kitten. It's me
1: hanging, hanging in there it's me hanging on the branch. I'm going to quit.
0: Um, As you're letting go. In fact,
1: I just quit a fantasy football league today over <laughs> being <laughs> mad at someone. <laughs> we'll not lose this year.
0: <laughs> you are Found a way to show them. Okay. Ah, glass that nose right off. Half full. Yeah, mentality. glass, glass ceiling, ceiling half full. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: So, uh, uh, so you and quit I, yeah. before you went to write. Yeah, and then I did the same thing at the Second City. I started taking the Second City classes. We started writing material, and I went, uh, I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> I, gotta, I didn't learn how to do this at the other place. i got to get out of here, so I quit. And then I started taking classes at I.O., and then when I got to I.O., I started performing with a guy named Miles Stroth, who was, uh, you know, there's T.J. Jagadowski, who a lot of people would agree is the funniest improviser in the world. Uh, and I'm talented. saying that... Because I agree with that. But I always thought Miles Stroth was the most talented improviser in the world because he had a mind that would say, yeah, we could sit here and say some funny stuff, but it wouldn't it be more interesting to do what Del Close wanted to do, which is break your mind in the process and make you think and make you learn. And, and that's yeah. what Miles tried to do. And so I worked with Miles.
0: How long did you work with Miles? For
1: two and a half years, Miles and I did a two-man show, oh, wow. which was- started with an audience of about three people. The show was called Zumpf. And it started with an audience of three people, and I don't think they all stayed. (laughs) It's okay. Yeah, and then it got to the point where it was standing room only, and we owned. We created Wednesday Nights, which is the night that TJ and Dave uh, wound up doing once Miles moved to Los Angeles. Anyway, and um, I did that show with Miles for two years and started climbing. Second City came calling. I auditioned for the Second City Touring Company and uh, was told, sorry, it's not going to happen. And then uh, Greg Mills, who's a good friend of mine, was on the touring company, got a job for a commercial. And they said, pick, stay in the touring company or go do this commercial. And he went, I'm going to do the commercial. Right. And they went, great, can you go on the road this weekend? So I went on the road to wow. replace a friend, which was a hard thing to do, right. uh, after being told I don't have the job. So I went on the road for 10 days. And as only Second City can do, I came home from that trip to find the letter that said, we're sorry, but you're not hired to the, to the touring company. You,
0: and then, I, I have those letters too. Yeah, I have those letters. that two days later, nice try, but no. Yeah.
1: Two days later, Kevin Dorff corners me upstairs at, at IO and said, guess what? what? You got hired to the touring company. I said, but I got a
0: letter that said I didn't. Goes, I framed it and everything. He, he
1: said, keep that letter. And I said, oh, I kept it. Uh, I don't know where my diploma is from college, but I know but where that know letter where is. But you know where that letter is. Yeah. Again, Quit. Quit so you while don't you're, fail.
0: yeah, so you don't
1: fail. Um, it's going to be a theme.
0: How long were you on the road with uh, the touring company? I
1: toured two years. We did a USO tour. We went to Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, oh, wow. Dubai, Bahrain, pre-9-11. So that was really great.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <Take laughs> it was. It was. It was really great. Slightly. We were like, you're we kind of walked around going like, you're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. We'll do this show. This will be hilarious. You guys are going to love this. We got to get that call uh, call to prayer alarm clock. Peter Gross was like, we got to get these. He bought one for Seth Meyers and a bunch bunch of people got these call to prayer alarm clocks. We thought it was hilarious. And then we got home (gasps) in, uh, uh, I think we went in August or something. We got home. And then, of course, 9-11 happened. You go like, oh, shit. And I quit soon after because traveling became...
0: (gasps) I was going to say... What was traveling yeah, like Yeah,
1: traveling became such a bitch you can no longer carry a uh, pot on the plane. <laughs> when you're touring, it's a very it's more important than whether or not they're going to pay you well, it's, or feed you <laughs> is whether or not you could smoke a joint after well, the show. Well, if
0: you're driving across the country, that's a little bit easier to yeah, transport. If you're, if you're, drive, you're yeah. flying, there And when
1: you're flying to Denver and then after that flying to Seattle and then down to San Diego before coming back, it becomes near impossible to carry that much pot without drawing attention. <laughs> So truthfully, I quit because I went, ugh, I'm, I'm becoming a pain in the ass for these people. And I'm not happy, so I'm going to quit.
0: Um, so you quit?
1: Yeah, so I quit. And guess what happened? What happened? Then I got the main stage.
0: How would you get See? the main See,
1: quit st- before you fail. <laughs> get a promotion to Don't quitting. listen
0: to people that say, just keep going.
1: No, never. that cat. You know what happened to that cat? He died, died. in that tree. <laughs> he hung on to that tree. Hang in there. It's almost right. He hung on to that tree. His skeleton's still hanging still in that tree.
0: <laughs> it's a black light. You turn off the lights and it's just yep. a skeleton. <laughs> so you, okay, so then how did you get the main stage?
1: Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't quit like, you fucking assholes, I'm out of here. No, I quit later. Like, uh, yeah, that's later. <laughs> I quit by saying, I think I'm done, and they went, yeah, that's a, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and then I understudied go, go. the main stage, and I apparently did a good job. Uh, at, to where, I mean, that, that's the, the recurring theme, I think, is that I always said, like, I might not always be the easiest person to have around, but I'll do my job.
0: Right, and you you'll know, do it if we, well. Yeah,
1: if we have a put-in rehearsal, which is when they teach you how to do the show, I will have studied that tape, and I will know every nuance right down to when Ed Furman scratches his eyebrow. Right. I'll have it down, and I was understudying TJ on the ETC and and Ed Furman on the main stage, and apparently it went well enough that they were like, "Well, this is really great." Uh, didn't get the job yet, but continued okay. to understudy well. And Joyce Sloan went to bat for me and said, "If you don't put that guy on the stage, you're out of your mind." Um, and I guess they, you know, they they were, it was in the works. Yeah, you know, it was on its way, and then it was just about time. I mean, as we know, I mean, unless you're Chris Farley or Mike Myers or Eddie Murphy at SNL, it's not likely that you're going to get that job before it's really your time. Yeah, I'm a firm they're,
0: believer of you yeah. are in the, the right time at the right place and, and just it's a, it's a timing issue. Sure.
1: And, I, you know, I never thought I'm going to go up there and change. The, they're going to go, holy crap, good thing we got him on the stage because I'd never written anything. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. And so I got there to start writing uh, Doors Open on the Right and I didn't know how to write anything. So i just show up with... I got an idea. It's a massage parlor. (laughs) Okay, that's not enough. And it's the women getting massaged, and you can see that the rest of the cast members are going, where's the rest of this this idea? idea? And I'm going, and the men are doing the massages, and each time they do, like, something to them, uh, they blurt out a secret. And they went, hey, that's a pretty good idea. I went, yeah, well... Came over that one yesterday. Like, Holy crap. I'm good. I got one. I'm good. You're dying. You're dying. Yeah. Well, my
0: dad was horrible at writing uh, sketches for SCTV or anything. I think yeah. he was notorious for always having paper napkins with ideas. And he was the same. It was like, well, uh, there's a bar and there's a guy who plays Mambo and that's it. Made it made sense go from to there. me last night. Last night, after uh, that uh, drink, it sounded, yeah. seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, exactly. Now, go write that and make it work.
1: Yeah, but I was fortunate that there were people, Liz Kikowski. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people, but Liz was the one that, that, to me, I went, what the hell? She just, like, every day she comes in with the opening number and the closing number. And then she comes in with the best group scene. You know, it was really kind of amazing to watch someone who goes on to be a writer.
0: Right. You know. Because she, she She ended up uh, writing for, did she write for SNL? She S- wrote for S- SNL, SNL for a
1: while, and now she's uh, she's in the Neighbors movie. She was in Neighbors and right. Neighbors 2. She's a great actress. Um, and thankfully, she's finally getting attention for that as well. So do you would, she's also an executive producer on Last Man on Earth, which is a Which is an amazing show. show. Love that show.
0: So you were on main stage for... A ten months. Ten, ten months. Not even a full and year. And then, That's, anybody
1: want to guess? What do you do? Quit. I, I quit. I quit. <laughs> I, quit.
0: I was there when you we were
1: getting yeah, we were getting ready to write a new show. And um, the Second City had just started a new deal with Sony Pictures Television, where Sony... Pictures Television could go back into the archives of Second City and look at any scene that had ever been written from, you know, from Severin Darden on up to Liz Kikowski. And they could take that scene, and if they turned it into a TV show, they would give a bunch of money to Second City. And Second City would take some of that money and give it to the people that wrote it. And then those people, all six of them in the cast, would share it. So even if Liz came in with a piece of paper and said, here's the script written she's going to have to split that little bit of money that Second City was going to give with all six of us. And I said, oh, hell no. no. <laughs> and truthfully, what really happened was our, our uh, equity rep was there that day, and we were talking about any problems that we have. And, <laughs> and our stage manager, God bless him, who's been there forever, Said, yeah, I got a question. Uh, do we get paid for back vacation time? Now, this guy had just had his 25th anniversary that year because he got the job the same time that Pope John Paul became the Pope. And so I knew how long he'd been there.
0: Dedication. Yeah,
1: and, they, and she said, well, yes, of course you should. How long has it been? And he said, 18 years. <laughs> and I just went, whoa. They're not going to tell him, hey, we owe you back money for 18 years. Oh. They're never going to care about you paranoid actor who's afraid to try to write so get out of here now and so I said I'm not doing this I'm not doing this Sony addendum to the contract and they said you'd sign that or you don't work and so I said all right well I'll sign it and then it started to eat at me it was the beating of that hideous heart you know below the floorboards where it just every time I went in there I went you fuckers, Yeah. you're, uh, you're going to get me, you're going to get me. Why are you trying to get me? And it all came to a head one night. I punched a wall and broke my hand. And uh, Jeff Garland was sitting backstage. And I came backstage.
0: Look at it. look at what they did.
1: Look at what they did. And he went, what the hell's the matter with you? And I said, they, these guys, they don't care about us. And he said, then quit. Then quit. What do you quit? Yeah. You did the job. Nobody cares how many you did. You did it. You got the credit. Get the hell out of here. Quit. And I went, yeah, you're right. I'm going to quit. He quit? Yeah. He quit. So Bless I, I learn. There two,
0: seems to be a theme.
1: Jeff Garland, Dan all. two men who would tell you quit to get to the top. Everybody else would tell you don't quit to try to get anywhere. Um, so I took two weeks of uh, mental health leave. Um, and I came back with a clear head and quit. And, and,
0: yeah, well, that's what you, I, I remember that. And I don't think I had seen you that night. I saw you the next day because when I was working in the box office, you, yeah. you would come in with the wrapped hand. Oh, yeah, hand. show
1: everybody what they did. Oh, yeah,
0: look at, look at this, look at this.
1: Look at what they did. That I said that exact thing, look at what they did. Look,
0: look at what they
1: did. And my castmates looked at me like, oh, my God. Oh, I knew he was nuts, but this is this insanity. Is insane. <laughs> Needless to say, I had a bit of a drinking problem at the time.
0: Sometimes that happens at Second City. (laughs) Everyone has. Yeah, there's a history. Everyone has, well, there's a lot of people at Second City, their paycheck didn't make it home. It was paid to the bar.
1: Mine was one of those that I always went like, what's this down here, this line, this negative? And they went, that's your bar tab. And I said, we don't get free drinks? And they said, no, you've never gotten free drinks. You've been here for three years. You've been on the stage for a year. You've never gotten free drinks. And I went... What the hell? I've been getting charged this whole time. I went home, looked at my checks. I've been getting charged the whole time. The whole time. And wasn't paying so little attention to my oh, life Oh My that, gosh. Uh, anyway.
0: But shortly after.
1: I quit drinking.
0: You quit then drinking. Then guess what happened. That's a good thing.
1: That now. It's like when my friend Chuck says, "Yeah, it's like winning a medal at the Special Olympics." Oh. <laughs> good You're for so you. good. <laughs> oh, good for you. Oh, Aren't you cute with your not drinking? <laughs> Chuck said it, not me. I just it.
0: You just, you just smile uh, and nod. <laughs> but then shortly after, you landed a yeah, correspondent role on the Daily Show. Six months
1: later, I got the Daily six Show months. job. Yeah. So th- th- quitting
0: th- is a really good
1: trend. <sighs> for you. The Daily Show, SNL, and Mad TV all came to town in the same week. Okay. I did my Mad TV audition. They asked you to do three characters and three impressions. I got three impressions out in my first character, and she went, thank you. And I went, no, 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 I worked really hard on this. I'm going to finish. So I did not get that job. (laughs) Um, Then SNL came and did a a showcase at I.O., and I did the monologues, and I cried while talking about my cat. Uh, I did not get that job. (laughs) And then the next morning, I went in and did the Daily Show audition, which was three stand-up pieces that you do in front of the blue screen. Yeah. And uh, I had rehearsed them, and I had a character, and I had a little flair here and there, things I thought would work, and I got that job almost on the spot, basically. Wow! Now you can. No, you can clap for that. for that one. That's actually a good thing.
0: So that, that they, did you have to write your own material for that?
1: No, no. Or was that? <laughs> no, all? thank God, no, no. I was <laughs> just no. curious
0: because. No,
1: it, it was not a requirement. I think at that point, uh, Stephen Colbert wrote his own stuff. But no other correspondents were writing. I know I had
0: to audition for The Daily Show way, like much later, but they required you to write your audition and then perform your audition. Right, that
1: was the John Oliver effect. Yes. Once John got there and they went, why
0: the hell are we hiring
1: all these people that we have to have writers write for? Why not have them write their own stuff and the writers can write for John? And then that's what started happening. They hired more and more people. Wyatt Sinek, Oh God, Jordan Klepper, uh, on and on and on, Kristen uh, Shaw, all these people that were brilliant writers on their own, uh, John Hodgman, uh, Dimitri Martin, all these people that were coming in as as contributing correspondents and so forth, they were brilliant writers, and so they were writing for themselves, and they went, oh good, that frees up the writers to write for John, and um, that was not my model. But
0: your strength uh, was your improvisation.
1: Right, I thought.
0: Um, (laughs) Or not
1: not there not there uh not what they were looking for oh. i always like to say what were they looking they, for they they came in and asked me to play a tuba i played the tuba well and they went wow you're a really good tuba player i said thank you and then they handed me a reed instrument and said now go play that yeah. and i went i don't <laughs> i don't want to play this uh and it did not go well uh day two stephen colbert uh, walked into my office because it used to be his office and he said hey new guy and i said yeah second city we got you know i just talked to joyce today and he goes oh god i love joyce hey listen Bit of unsolicited advice, and I said yes, please. And he said, "Don't let the iconoclasm stop just because you're here now." Okay? And I said, "Got it." Now I had to look it up. I was just gonna say. Um,
0: and I what I read—smart, but yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I always like it's like, it's, what a great joke that?" And then I looked up iconoclasm—it's the truth. Uh, and uh, and what I read was, "Hey, you're a trailblazer. Don't stop being a trailblazer just because you're here now." And it was pointed out to me later, it could have had another meaning, which is, that's John Stewart. Don't let him stop being John Stewart just because you work here now. Okay. And so I walked out in the hallway and I went, hey, coach! And he went, what the fuck? Who's that guy? And that was it. So, uh. so it was two years of being very uncomfortable for having been far too familiar, far too early. Uh, You got to remember, I was like, I can't believe it. I got my life back and I'm happy again. Well, sometimes
0: people who are Second City and that whole sense of family and you just, oh, everyone hangs out and this is how you should work. We're team people. Right. We're
1: team people. Yeah. And that's, Stephen was a team person and that's what he said to me. And I thought, well, that's what he's talking about. We're team. Right. We're team people. And he was saying, no, 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 this isn't that. This is a one man show. Let him be, you play with us down here and let him be up there. And I missed the point entirely. And as a result, I you know, un- I made I- him very uncomfortable, I think. I think I made oh. John very uncomfortable. And as a result, I wound up harboring resentment that was all my own making, as they usually are, um, where I thought, wow, this guy, what a dick. And it's like, no, he was just uncomfortable with how you tried to act like you're his friend. And he doesn't know who the hell you are. <laughs> who's,
0: yeah. who's that guy over there? Yeah. What was the most uh, uncomfortable situation you had to be in as a correspondent?
1: Uh, Well, there's so many, it's so hard. Um, uh, Interviewing uh, Senator Chuck Schumer was really difficult because he was like, no, no, I'm not answering that. Because he's media trained. And he's used to dealing with actual journalists who know how to ask a question in a way that they can get their answer. He's dealing with an improviser who's like, what's your favorite color, Chuck? No, I'm not answering that question. It's (laughs) it's it's not not relevant to the topic. And I go... Does he know that? Like, I just want, I need him to say blue. Right. You know? And he won't do it. He won't do it no matter what. I, I want to trick him into saying something. Not going to happen. So that was uncomfortable. Uh, one of my very favorite pieces was one where uh, there was a female prison in Shakopee, Minnesota that didn't have a fence around it. High, maximum security, but no fence. So I don't know how maximum security <laughs> is. And we interviewed this really up. nice old Minnesotan that lived across the street. <laughs> and his wife made uh, lemonade and cookies for us and then he told me he'd rearrange my asshole for me if I, if I embarrassed him. And I'm sitting like this with him. This is how those interviews are done. You're like this far, and then the camera's like that, so your knees are touching, and he's going, I rearranged more than one guy's asshole for him who double-crossed me, I'll tell you. And I was like, holy shit, holy shit! And all I have with me is a field producer who's basically a film student who's now a producer and a writer. Brilliant guys, but like, they're not going to fight. You know, they're, going they're not the going to get my back. You know? Oh God. God. <laughs> so, that that was, you know. Terrifying. There was many uncomfortable moments. You know, there's plenty of them with John where I would say something. Bruce Springsteen came to the show one night as an audience member, and afterwards John came backstage and said, wow, it doesn't get any better than that for a kid from Jersey. And I went, man, I don't give a fuck. Where are you from? That's the boss. And he went, <laughs> And walked away, and I thought, oh. "What's the matter with this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying. I'm trying does really, really be hard. He doesn't have to be a frat boy. I don't get it.
0: <laughs> what was the transition like then? So you were on the Daily Show for three, two years, two years, almost
1: to the date. Almost. I moved to New York on September 11th, 2005. Oh, wow. Okay, and I left on September 20th, 2007.
0: Oh wow. Okay, and then you were there, and then you started doing more f- film and television and.
1: Yeah, well, we just—I de- decided uh, uh, we better get the hell out of New York because we're gonna go broke, and we can't work here because I don't know what I'm talking about. But that's what I thought. So let's get out of here. So uh, my wife and I packed up and uh, put all our stuff in an RV and drove cross country and visited Graceland and the Grand Canyon, oh, fine. and because um, I figured that's a good that's way to—That's what to
0: you're supposed to do. Easy Everyone in. does.
1: And then San Road Bernardino, trips. and then um, and then moved here, and I, I got a little work right away. Yeah. But then things dried up really bad, and I didn't work for a year and a half. And I was, I heard a guy talk about going to Home Depot and, and sitting out front because oh, he said, yeah. "I'm a I'm a regular like English speaking like American you know dude."
0: Handy jobs. I'm sure I can, can get those jobs exactly. first, yeah. right?
1: And I was like, "That's a brilliant idea. I'll go sit out there and go like, Hey, wait, wait, wait! I,
0: I can. Give you know, your I translator
1: can... with me. I can lift and I can hammer and all that. Like I was really ready to do that, and I was going to take the uh, firemen's course cuz i thought anyone could be a fireman you right you couldn't be you so astronaut
0: to fireman so you you really touched yeah. everything yeah
1: yeah and uh and then something happened i um
0: you were in the heat with melissa mccarthy and sandra bullock
1: right yeah well first larry charles uh, who was a producer on uh, mad about you and Kirby. Uh, Kirby, Kirby enthusiasm. enthusiasm and seinfeld hired me for a pilot that nobody ever saw But he just instilled me with so much confidence. But it was that kind of confidence where it was like, what do you need? You know what you're doing? Go do it. And it wasn't like, I don't know. What are you doing? He filled me with so much confidence that I kind of charged.
0: He's a very calming presence for a a gentleman. I worked at Sundance and I picked him up from the airport because I was working at Sundance. Got lost. Was very calm as I'm driving, going. I'm yeah. so sorry, I'm not getting you to your hotel yet. Oh my god! And he was like, "It's okay, just relax. We'll figure it out. We'll, yeah. we'll get there eventually." I'm and like, he's a character.
1: He's a he's gigantic such a, character. Such a
0: character and gigantic. And yeah.
1: And I just kind of thought, and, and my my wonderful. I respected his work so much that I thought, if this guy believes in me, then I can yeah. believe in me again.
0: Yes. Because I had it was and over.
1: I, I was done believing in me. Because I had gone as far as I could go in Chicago, and I thought failed because right. I had kind of come about after quitting drinking I looked at it and I went oh you failed you quit you gave up you failed now you go to the daily show and you don't have what they need you failed right now working with Larry it kind of instilled this new confidence in me where I'd go into auditions and go hey man Larry Charles believes in me I didn't say that but I thought <laughs> Larry believes in but me if, if you, you have don't believe that, in me
0: he's your Jiminy Cricket, Yeah exactly it
1: right? I was like I was like man I'm wishing upon a star I don't need you you okay. need me But that's not what I'm telling you or showing you. That's what I'm thinking and feeling again, all of a sudden. The confidence that I got from working with someone like Miles was restored. Right. And along comes Paul Feig, and I worked on The Heat with Paul. And he did the same thing. He just basically was like, I love what you do on Veep. Um, Just do that, except now you're an albino. And I said, (laughs) so I got a chip on my shoulder. You know, instead of being a bald guy, I'm an albino guy, and I got a chip on my shoulder about it, and she keeps pushing the button. He said, you can do anything you want. Don't make fun of her weight. And I said, I am i don't have any intention to. And he said, good. It's the only rule we have. And I said, okay. And I did whatever I wanted, said whatever I wanted, really? and he roared with laughter and encouraged it the whole way, that's and great. it was a fantastic experience. Oh, that's
0: and fantastic. they were
1: you know, she's amazing She's watch ma- So
0: it's great that you were able to have the freedom to improvise. And yeah. How long were you in makeup for?
1: Uh, you know, uh, every, every time I put it on, it was all day. Because it took so long to put it on. Oh, okay. It took two and a half hours to do the makeup. And, and then, then, then
0: retouch it all the time. If
1: you put the contacts in, you can see in this picture here that the contacts all around my eyes, they did pink eyeliner, on, on my eyes, on oh, the eyelids. On the eyelid on the On the, the eyelid there. on the inside, the part that men would never know anything about. <laughs> most men. And then the, eye, uh, the uh, <laughs> mascara was white. And so if you put the contacts in, my eyes would water. So you had to put the contacts in first, then do that eye makeup. Oh. So now you're stuck with those contacts in all day. Mm-hmm. So I was in makeup all day. Now the, the, the uh, pupils yeah. were opaque. So I sat in my trailer like this. Listening to Netflix. And, oh, no. and, and I would be like, hey, can you, is this, is this that Rush documentary? Okay. Yes, okay, <laughs> Click. thank you. And then I'd sit there listening to Netflix. And every now and then I'd go sit out on my stoop of my trailer because I knew anybody that rode a bike by was going to go, what the? You know, because it was fantastic makeup. Uh, but it was all day, every day that I was on set and I was there for two months and I was on set for 14 or 15 days.
0: Oh my gosh. That's a long, those are, yeah. those are long days. But it was days. Boston. Right. So you, what, what who's going to complain? I Boston know.
1: in the summertime. It was amazing.
0: Oh, that's so nice. So and then, okay. Not and then, but Veep. So you were already on Veep. I already did my were, my first episode of Your first episode, episode yeah. the pilot. Yeah. How did you land that role?
1: Uh, Armando Anucci, the uh, creator well the co-creators of the show did a film called In the Loop a few years earlier and I auditioned for and booked a part on that okay. at the exact same time that I booked a part on Observe and Report nobody um, I saw it yeah you saw it but <laughs> still we're not going <laughs> to clap because even if we saw it no 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 this is that thing again where it's all good for you um no, I, I'm fond of it. But anyway, and the agent said, what? You're going to do the Seth Rogen movie at Warner Brothers. You're not doing this unknown movie with these unknown people and James Gandolfini and Sigourney Weaver. You're not doing that. You're doing... And I said, no, but this is the one I trained for. This is the one that's improvised. It's, there's a script, but it's improvised. You don't understand. This is what I did in Chicago. The whole reason I went there was yeah. to learn how to do this. What are you doing? And they said you can make this decision later in your career now we're making it you got to do this so I did observe and report and when they told Armando he sent me an email and said don't worry we'll work together someday and when Veep came along I auditioned and um, the casting director had me come in and read for the part that uh, that uh, Tony Hale got okay. the Gary and I said I think I'm supposed to be reading for this other part and she said uh, let me do my job. And I said, I, I, I would never in a million years think when. of telling you how to do your job. He cast me in that other part in the movie. And I didn't get to do it. He, that's the part that he... And,
0: Can I just have a shot? Can I just yeah. try? So
1: I, and, and she went, Dan, you're going to be fine. I said, oh, I'm not worried about I got Larry Charles on my shoulder. <laughs> and she knew. And I went in and I auditioned. And uh, Armando went, why are you reading this part? You should be reading this other one. And I went, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> like, and she said, "If I'm so sorry. And I said, please, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to piss anyone off here. So they had me come back in, and I read for the part that Matt Walsh does, uh, uh, Mike McClintock. And uh, Matt and I tested against each other in the okay. test, but it became very clear very quickly, it's Matt. Right. He's perfect for this. Right, he And is. at the end of the testing process, uh, Armando came in and said, you all did such a wonderful job. It's such a difficult, make our decision' so difficult, you're all going to get calls in three minutes. that's how difficult this is to make this <laughs> we decision. We already know our answer. We yes, know our answer. but that's fine. I mean they have to say that. And he said, uh, don't worry, we'll find a place for you." And I went, okay, and then I knew they were shooting the pilot and then I knew they were shooting episode two, three, four, five, six, seven, and I went, I guess it's not going to happen. And then I got a call in uh, November of that year, 2012. It doesn't matter, right? No. and they said uh, you're going to Baltimore you're doing an episode of veep and i said oh he made good on his promise and i got the script and if you've seen the first season the last episode it's all me right and as i'm reading this script i'm like on the plane on the way there trying not to cry
0: i have a i have a clip legitimately of your yeah. of your character that i just think is the one of the funniest characters oh, please. on there and just so offensive and fabulous
1: at the same time oh this whole being pleasant is fucking exhausting yes sir it's very tiring i'm running out of nice juice to spray at these shit munchers hi there good to see you holy christ look at the size of this one buddy i think you're as big as my gay dwarf i need to see the vice president now sorry i don't work here you know i do work in the west well then get the the hell out of my way you leaning tower of uh no shit good move it yes sir All due respect to Nelson Franklin, the the greatest straight man, yes. and what a and, and a, f- a fantastic guy. Um,
0: What's the process like on Veep? Oh, like it
1: is the if you're an actor, it's a dream process, particularly if you've had any improv experience. Right. Like I said, you get your script a you know a day before you get on a plane. You're flying out. We shot the first four seasons in Baltimore. Flying out there. Put you up in a really nice hotel. The next morning you get up, you go to a, a table read. There's Julia, there's Tony, there's Matt. The whole crowd is there. All the writers, everyone's sitting around. Do the table read, good laughs. And then they say, all right, let's get up. Uh, Dan, Julia, Matt, we're going to do scene six. Why don't you guys get on your feet? You take your scripts. You read through it a couple times. and Then they say, all right, well, trash that. You know what you're supposed to do. Just play. And then you improvise. Wow. And then they'll throw a couple alternate lines at you or pull you aside and go, what if? You really want to pick something up in her office or something, so they, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, uh, stoke the flames a little bit and keep it moving, and then they move on to the next scene, and then you break for lunch or go home, and the next day you come in, and something you improvised is in this script. Wow! And you go,
0: what? You made it. I didn't get You're a writing writer. credit for You're this, a- and I
1: finally <laughs> wrote something. Um, no, but it's funny, I never, I just said that out loud and realized, no, you know. oh, I never, I never cared if we got writing no, credit or not. No, you wouldn't. But, but I just... it's true, I did finally write something when I finally acknowledged that Brian Stack and Kevin Dorff and all these other guys were right, when they said, you are a writer. Improvising is writing. Yes. It's, it's the just, hardest kind of writing. You're your writing brain. on your feet in front of strangers. Mm-hmm. Writing at your desk is easy then. You know, I still don't do it.
0: <laughs> I have I have a hard Crazy. time with writing too. It's just I've got the ideas, but when it comes down to on that lovely pad of paper or well, anything, it's just
1: anything meh. else sounds like a good idea at the yes. time. Like
0: oh, laundry, I
1: need to clean that litter box. Yeah, you know, <laughs> no, it's I like the
0: dog needs to go on a walk. Yeah, again. Like,
1: yeah, you would think I would love it, but the <laughs> friends that I have that do it for a living go, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. I have to do it an hour a day without it de- without. Hesitation, I must do it an hour a day, but it's terrible. And but they do it.
0: Was there anyone specific that you were channeling with this character or uh,
1: my brother Tom and he takes great offense. <laughs> but it's true, when I said that the first time I said that in an interview somewhere, he called me he said, What the fuck are you doing, Sandra? You tell people I fucking talk like that guy with you, you fucking asshole. And I went, Thank you. What are you talking about? He's a prosecuting attorney. <laughs> you know, he's practically a politician. He's very acerbic. Oh, my um, gosh. Uh, but he's also probably the funniest guy I know. Uh, and he's it. a performer. He's a, he's a trial attorney. Yeah. He's a trial lawyer. He has to stand up there and convince the audience that he's telling the truth. Wow. You know, it's just that his is a competition and ours is not.
0: Right. Well, that's great. Then, they try
1: to make it a competition, wait, but it's not.
0: Well, and Veep is still, go, so it's on its third season
1: fifth Fifth season season, now yeah oh my gosh sorry yeah we just shot uh well it's it's airing now but we shot the fifth season got shot out here
0: that's right which was really really nice because you were close to home
1: to go home because i would work on veep with the exception of that first season that first episode uh i would work you know two three hours and then go back to my hotel for four days and then you're in a hotel in baltimore in winter time (laughs) for four days You can only go to the Poe House so many times. Edgar Allen Poe House so many times.
0: It's nice to have kind of a sense of normalcy. The (laughs) Poe House. I'm at the Poe House. Okay.
1: Good God.
0: You did Veep and you also had another great show on um, FX was Legit.
1: Yeah, let me say if you have not, thank you. I love Legit. If you've not watched Legit, it's on Netflix. We were on FX. Uh, They killed it, whatever. That's, that's just a stamp of approval. Right. It means it's awesome if yeah. they cancel it. If they can't, it. look. It was, great it shows was the canceled most early. rewarding thing I've ever done. And why is that? Because it's a comedy that I had to cry in and I had to actually care about other characters. I had to act in a comedy without just being, I mean, like Roger Furlong is a lot of fun to do, but he can be somewhat one-dimensional right. in that it's like, I can pretty much do anything I want as long as I end it with, fuck you, and walk out, it's all clear, right? right? Whereas with Steve on Legit, um, there were consequences. If I got a black eye in one episode, that black eye is going to be there the next episode. Right. Uh, You know, we get in a fight in one episode. uh, We're still not talking to each other an episode later. Um, Norman Lear is a big fan of Legit. Really? Called Jim and said, I love that show. Oh, well, they canceled it, Norman. Of course they did
0: short short clip from uh legit oh, too oh please!
1: it's uh, that's okay
0: blackout
1: come on billy you can do it mate we believe in you billy you can do it mate oh man it's gonna get you now jim jeffries is the star of the show the creator of the show it's based on his real life experiences he's the australian guy his good friend uh back in australia yeah. his younger brother Had uh, advanced stages uh, um, muscular dystrophy.
0: Dystrophy, yes.
1: And um, was in a wheelchair. And one day said to his friend, please bring Jim over. I want to talk to him. And he said, you got to come to the hospital with me. My brother wants to see you. And he goes, I can't go to that. It's too depressing, man. I can't do it. And he goes, that's why you have to go. You're the only, you know, anyway. So Jim goes, and the brother says, I'm 35 years old. I've never been with a girl. You're the only guy I know that'll do this for me. Please take me to a prostitute. And, um, and in Australia, totally legal. And he goes, fucking win. He says, he says, now, today. And he goes, let's go. And he and the two brothers get in the van and go to the prostitute. And the pilot episode, that's how the show starts. So us teasing the kid in the wheelchair is... Um, it's out of love. Is, is absolutely out of love. And I will say this, the biggest fans of that show... People, people who with suffer with muscular dystrophy. Really. Because not only were oh. they represented in the show for the first time that wasn't like, oh my, oh my. thing No, it's a strong it was, character. It was a kid who's doing Coke off a of hooker's boobs. <laughs> it was a kid who passes out in his wheelchair and falls yeah. out and shits himself. I- like any other dude does when he's had too much, right? (laughs) You know? Um, So they felt like they were being represented as people who were part of the game rather than people who were being pitied. And as a result, that's another reason why it was such a rewarding experience to get emails, to get letters, to get uh, uh, Twitter interaction with these guys who were like, thank you so much. If I didn't have legit to look forward to every week, I don't know how I'd make it through the week. And you go... Did you guys see this? And it's like everyone on set felt good oh, about
0: that. Oh, let's see that, and that's nice that they had that kind yeah. of. No, I wasn't gonna say idol or anything, but it's just that kind yeah, of they, something that they, they could felt watch represented and they felt prof- finally
1: in a way that they felt was what they wanted. Right. You know, they wanted a buddy that said taking you to the baseball game it's real and It's they everyday go, life yeah. It's
0: not candy coated exactly and that's and why they, i like the
1: say, show they say ah, i hate baseball i don't want to go i know but i get good seats when you're with me so you're coming with me you know
0: done and done
1: and and one of the guys said oh my god <laughs> i'd be slapping my knee if i could that actually happened to me my buddy took me to a concert just so he could get good seats and the dude appreciated it yeah you know
0: uh, well, congratulations on your second season of Life in Pieces. Thank you very much. Which is yeah. on CBS. I don't know if any of you have checked that show out. That's I love that show. show.
1: I do too. I am very, uh, very proud of Life in Pieces. Very, I still have to pinch myself because I look at it and I go, how did I get in the middle of this
0: pack? Well, yeah, look, you're kind of with some heavy hitters there. Kind of. Kind of? Yeah. I don't know. James uh, uh, Brolin. Diane Diane Weist, Diane One of the Weist.
1: greatest actors of all time. Um, an incredible person, what a talent! And then Jim Brolin, who plays her husband, who yeah. is the quintessential old-school Hollywood playboy, who's now married to the five hundred million-dollar woman, Barbara Streisand. Streisand, and is just like you know, back when I was your age, we uh, we'd play around a round of golf during lunch, and they'd wait, and you're like, <laughs> and you're like, what the hell, Jim? And he goes, don't try that. And you're like, yeah, no, of course not. We did a talk back for SAG where they, they bring in a bunch of actors and you talk to them and they said, What's one piece of advice you'd give? And it's, Oh, don't never give up and, and, and quit your way to the top and all this, right? And Jim goes, Jim goes, Don't audition for anything. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, That's the advice you give actors, Jim. Right. There's only now one actor in the world who can take that advice and it's you.
0: Right. Like, do they love, um, do they improvise with you or with the script yes. or is that?
1: Yeah, we get to improvise a lot. Some more than others. Not not that some are given more license to improvise than others. Some are more comfortable than others. I was just going to say So more. some do it more frequently okay. than others. I am one of those. Definitely
0: the one that. Those
1: is. that do. Um, but they, you know, right off the bat, they were like, and anything you think of. And I was like, oh, great. we got to keep it clean. It's going to be
0: on, you know, network prime time, prime network,
1: time. so... Can't go that route. We're not right. going to have the kid in the wheelchair pulling a bike. Fl- uh, right. but and I'm not going to be talking about spray squirting, you know, nice juice at these shit munchers or any of that stuff. <laughs> but uh, we get to play an awful lot, and I'm really, really lucky that Betsy Brandt, who was uh, Marie on Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad, who she's uh, phenomenal. maybe the greatest television show of all time. Yeah, um, she plays my wife, and we just hit it Looks off. Looks like you guys have so
0: much fun. We on do. That she
1: set. is incredible, and. Um, she and I had a conversation. It's one of those things that I learned at Second City but never learned how to do which is be a good cast member be a good ensemble member and I don't say that in a self-effacing way as much as I've learned and so I called her when we got the first season pickup, and I said I want you to do me a favor we might be doing this together for a very long time I want us to still be friends at the end of every season and at the end of every day. That's good advice. So please, I know me, and I know that I can say and do things that people can find offensive or get pissed off at. Please don't keep it a secret. Please tell me immediately, you just stepped on my toe, and I will make it right. And uh, she took me up on it. Um, (laughs) and, 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 you know, not frequently or anything, but when I did it, she would. And I would go, all right, already. You know, I get it. And then I go. Hey, hey, be quick to see where she's right. Make it right, and boom, right back in it, and we just get along great. And it's made all the difference in the world. Oh
0: my gosh! Well, congratulations. And hopefully, it goes on for for a couple more. Um, I've got a little segment that I like to do. It's called the Candy Connection. And oh, I was good. trying can I eat to some think. Candy you can eat some that? candy. Um,
1: Anybody else want a butterfinger? Does any,
0: anyone want butterfinger?
1: Open wrappers in a theater. That was a test. You failed. <laughs>
0: Sorry, Jen, this in, isn't
1: your sole Butterfinger.
0: No, I think I've got okay, like. Good. No, this is it. This is all I have. This
1: is her year. year whatever, the whatever
0: you don't give away, okay. you take home. Um, candy Connection, what connection you have to my dad. I know.
1: Okay, I'm trying. No. Oh. That's it. No, oh, I did it on.
0: No. Uh, <laughs> I said, uh, Candy Connection, uh, the connection that you have to my dad. So you were, you're in Life of Pieces with Colin Hanks. Colin Hanks. Was in Orange County with Catherine O'Hara, and then Catherine O'Hara was in Home Alone, with my dad.
1: Of course. Yeah. And Besides, I've got an even quicker one. Oh, what's an
0: even quicker one?
1: I did a bunch of Second City Bizco shows with Martin Short.
0: Oh, there you go, done and done. We were on stage. And now we've done this show together. And we've
1: done this show together, so and so you're closer, even, than and your I'm closer than your dad and Martin than my, Short yeah, was. Sure,
0: yeah. So, <laughs> so boom.
1: And. And I was an immense fan. You know, which I think counts for something. It
0: does count for something. What was your favorite film?
1: Well, Summer Vacation is hard to beat.
0: That is hard to beat. Um,
1: for when I grew up, I grew up in the '80s, and that you know, I mean, that was great outdoors.
0: That was on. Pretty yesterday. Well, Get was- yourself
1: a spin cycle. Um, <laughs> it's a hell of a film, you guys. Um, when I was
0: prepping for your show yesterday, my husband was watching Grand Outdoors in the oh, other really? room, and i come out with my computer and my headphones. I was like, is it over? He's like, yeah, it's over.
1: But I think performance-wise, and, and this, when I taught classes, when I taught improv, I used your dad and Bill Murray as examples. Oh, really? Of what, okay, this will probably make me cry. Okay,
0: don't cry. Of what, You're fine. that's okay. Eat candy.
1: Of what? Can, of what candy, <laughs> of what candy is for. Of what <laughs> comedy is supposed to be the way I understand it. And it's supposed to be, Planes, trains, and automobiles. Perfect. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. You make me laugh until I have to go pee. But at the same time, I care about Dell Griffith. Yeah. I care so that when you hurt him, I'm mad at you, and that's the desired effect. You want me mad at him because I care about Dell. Yeah. Right. And. So I used that example, and I also used, you know, many of Bill yeah. Murray's uh, appearances. But that's that, perfect. to me, those were the two that I always use as an example. I said, you're supposed to be an actor. That was what they taught me in my very first improv class. They said, don't worry about funny. This isn't about funny. This is about believable. I want to believe that you are experiencing what you're experiencing up there on that stage. If I think it's funny, I will laugh. Right. If I don't, I won't. That doesn't mean I didn't like it. Right. And that's what Dell said. Yep. And that's what Martin Demott said. Yep and that's what uh, Josephine Forsberg said yep. and these are all people that were doing this a lot longer than most of us Almost, have been yeah. alive and I just said if you say so I mean you guys are here in the temple of satire right. and you're saying you know uh, 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 Martin Amott was saying that at Second City and I said if you say so I'm never gonna worry about funny I'm just gonna worry about being, being. believable
0: and that's key yeah and that's great advice And on that note, we are out of time.
1: Aww. Aww. Dan,
0: thank you so much for doing this. I just, I since seeing you at Second City way back in the day, and then till now, and I love watching your career and and having that connection and knowing you, and I just admire your work. It's my
1: distinct honor.
0: Oh, thank you, and thank you guys so very much for coming out to another Couch Candy.